This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. Jason Alt was working in the traditional sign business back in the late 2000s when a customer contract came along that required a digital sign. He had an IT background, so he stuck up his hand and took it on. Caught the bug from that, so to speak, and has been in digital signage ever since. Putting together an initial team that launched in 2010 as Kaufman Media, the Columbus, Ohio-based solutions provider has found a niche in the middle of the buying market. Not the little guys who can't offer much scale, and not the Fortune 500s that are most likely going to opt for a national integrator, major software firm, or even a giant consulting firm. Kaufman is particularly active providing a solution, plan, and services in workplaces, and in regional and mid-sized QSRs, notably coffee chains. Jason and I chat on this podcast about its services, how the marketplace and needs have evolved, the gulf that still exists between conventional and digital sign companies, and the steady need for educating end users. Jason, thank you for joining me. Can you tell me a bit about Kaufman Media and your role there? Absolutely. Uh, Kaufman Media is a digital signage integration firm that uh, we started almost 14 years ago, and I am the co-founder and chief operating officer. And you guys are in Columbus, Ohio area, and then down in Jacksonville as well? That's correct. Yep. We just opened the Jacksonville office just over a year ago, um, but servicing customers all, all across the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. How did you get into it? Back in 2008, I was with a traditional sign company and we were doing a big mall redevelopment project. And some of that scope called for digital signage. And back then, uh, my background was computer information. So we decided to say yes to that part of the scope as well. Took it on, partnered with CoolSign uh, way back then before wow. High Vision acquired it, yeah. and really caught a bug for the industry. Started formulating a team that we wanted to put together and launched uh, the shingle of Kaufman Media in February of 2010. It's interesting. The uh, traditional printing industry seems like it's just seems like this is something that they have to go towards and, and evolve into. And while we've seen some of it, it's, it, it, it still seems like an industry that's not really made the jump or, or, or evolved into it. I absolutely agree. And we see the same thing as well. Um, just knowing that industry, you know, from my previous life and also working with a lot of traditional sign companies, it is kind of a struggle for them to get into because it does require you know, some, you know, computer skills, some networking skills. Uh, obviously, they may have some content chops and metal fabrication chops, but missing kind of that, uh, you know, networking and computer element. So is that something that you guys help out on? Absolutely. Uh, everything from traditional sign companies to uh, managed service providers, because they don't know the signage side, even though they know the, the IT side, 
architects, uh, really anyone trying to get into the digital signage side, we can kind of help them with pre-sale support, demos from the CMS uh, partners that we have, training up their clients, passing it off, supporting their clients, really however far they want us to go into the weeds with them, we can help them out. Mm -hmm. So you you start uh, all the way at the ideation stage with some customers and can take them all the way through managed services? Absolutely. Um, you know, really just depends on where they want to jump off and take over. We can come in under their banner. We can come in as a partner with our logo. Really just depends on how they want to present us as a partner to, to their end customer. It's interesting because the digital signage market, particularly the software companies, tend to uh, present their products as being very easy to use, very intuitive. Uh, they spend a lot of time explaining use cases and everything else, but it still seems to be a big leap for uh, traditional companies who don't think about this stuff every day. Why is that? I think at the surface level, you know, they're right in some aspect. It is easy to use, but, you know, as digital signage use is evolving, content is getting dynamic. You know, people want to integrate into, you know, data that's living out on the web somewhere or, you know, integrating into point of sale or a plethora of other, you know, things that you can plug into. That's where things get lost and they need someone to come in and help kind of tie all those things together. I, I kind of refer to companies such as yours as solutions providers is that as opposed to integrator which sounds very much like sort of an arms and legs uh, hang and bang situation is that a term that fits at the, at the end of the day we are a solution provider uh, we kind of you know live in both sides of the world but at the end of the day we're always starting with the you know end in mind and working backward and figuring out what solution, you know, fits that customer's need. We're not just a one CMS partner, you know, shop. We're not just a one hardware shop. It really is kind of what fits the customer's need the best. So, so you don't have your own software. You don't have a uh, proprietary hardware or anything else. So you're able to just kind of look at a job and figure out, okay, based on what you, Mr. Customer, is telling us, here's what we'd recommend three core CMS partners that uh, we've formulated over the years uh, with signage live being our longest tenured uh, at 13 years uh, running. And then, you know, hardware kind of runs the gambit to whatever, you know, that platform supports. Um, mm -hmm. And then we, we pick from, from that bucket. So why would you have three software partners? Just depends uh, on the customer. Again, you know, sometimes a need is going to, you know, lean toward their, their benefit more. So if we need a native POS integration, we can look to engage Spectrio. If we need a, a lot of data binding, we can look at Wallboard, you know, but you know, our, our largest partner is really, you know, Signage Live, you know, because they do, you know, approach it from a API first headless. So we can mm -hmm. do a lot of unique things with them. And uh, we've developed some really great projects over the years from that standpoint. But again, it's really, you know, the need is justifying the partner that we bring to the table for that total solution. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, I obviously have a relationship with Spectrio and uh, <laughs> know their product very well because of the, the ownership <laughs> position. But uh, the, the Signage Live component, when, when Jason Kremens, the CEO of Signage Live, told me, oh, I don't know, like three years ago now that he was going down the path of headless CMS, 
it was early days for that. And I had to ask him to, okay, tell, tell me what that is. <laughs> and he did. And I thought, okay, well, this, this, I, I could see the marketplace moving towards this sort of thing just because of the flexibility that it presents. Is, is that what you found? It is. And then, you know, it kind of correlates to what came out in the uh, Invitis um, reports uh, last year or this year. I can't remember which one it was, where it's talking about the new wave of architecture that's going to have to come down the, the pike for CMS partners. And that's really where I think uh, Signage Live was a little bit ahead of the curve and kind of already down that path of, you know, the headless API first and how they were going to market, uh, you know, three years ago. Yeah, I think what uh, Stefan from Invitus describes it as uh, the old style is very monolithic and the new style is composable where you can come at it from different uh, different angles and inject content and make things happen. Plus, plus, you can use your own tools. Exactly. Have you found over 14 years that uh, customer needs have evolved? 100%. Um, you know, I'd say 30% of our business this year will be Gen 2, Gen 3 digital signage partner relationships for us. And, you know, they, it's not because, you know, they were unhappy necessarily with their partner, but the infrastructure or solution that they had in place or however many years it be is no longer able to suit their needs. So, you know, everything from being able to you know, ingest outside content in unique ways, you know, supporting new hardware, um, you know, what, ha you know, security measures, uh, being able to pass all these, you know, security requirements now. So everything is secure from a customer standpoint, you know, those kind of things are, are changing quite rapidly. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of sitting up above this. I, I, I'm very curious because you, you have your software partners, but you, I'm sure you spend a lot of time looking at everything that's out there. I, I'm curious if you find that a lot of software companies are kind of stuck in their lane and don't really want to or, or don't have the mechanism to kind of expand and, and make what they have more open. Yeah, I think it's absolutely true. Um, you know, whether it's you know, come down to how it's built or, you know, just where they are in the market and they, they can't really move past it. You know, they do have their niche and that's kind of just where they stay. Um, that's where I think we have kind of three great tools in our tool belt that can kind of handle pretty much anything thrown at us, you know, from a unique perspective to, you know, one of the mill digital signage to something that's, uh, you know, very experiential. Mm -hmm. I, I talked to companies a lot about the importance of, uh, of identification of, of, the marketplace understanding what you do and what you're particularly good at versus general offers as a solutions provider have you started to focus on particular vertical markets or is it is it somewhat generalized uh, we're starting to focus really in the last 12 months and that's really between corporate communication and you know quick service restaurants we've really you know, had some really great wins in each of those sectors, kind of found our identity in those. But that's still not to say that we won't serve, you know, other you know, opportunities that come our direction, either through partners or, you know, just uh, knocking on the door. Those are two incredibly competitive uh, vertical markets to go after. They are. Right? 
how do you uh, kind of set yourself apart? It's a great question, uh, and it is hyper competitive. So you know, we're not necessarily fishing for the whales, or, or maybe not even the tunas, but in that mid market space, <laughs> you know, someone with the you know hundred locations, or maybe they're just coming up to that three digit, all the way to approaching you know the four digit mark. We've really found a nice little lane where we can help them out from setting up what a total solution should look like rolling it out and being, you know, that consultative arm for them, you know, everything from clearance bars through headsets to digital signage, really every piece and stack that could be around that whole ecosystem. And we're bringing it together as one package. That's kind of where we're setting ourselves apart from and then serving that kind of middle market. Yeah. I, I suspect when you talk about the, the whale accounts in QSR and, you know, even in fortune 500 companies for workplace communications, they, the, the large ones are not as price sensitive and they're somewhat conditioned to working with big consulting companies and, and just large service providers versus as you described the, uh, you know, the regional uh, ice cream chain or whatever, where those kinds of companies come in to see them and they're looking at them like, yeah, we, you're like, you're, you want two extra zeros from us and that ain't going to happen. Exactly. And a, and a lot of time, those kind of mid-market uh, franchisors are struggling with the balance of how do I either roll this into the total package for net new stores or, you know, deal with, they want us to deal with the franchisees directly. And a lot of times, you know, that can be very cumbersome for an Ooh, organization. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, but we take that on and yes, it comes with our own licks. You know, someone shuts their doors and we don't get paid or, you know, we were served uh, bankruptcy papers or whatever, but, um, you know, we've been able to you know, make some wins at it and, you know, hyper-focused uh, within the, at least in the QSR side, we found a home with coffee chains. Uh, don't know how it fell in, but it just started to, uh, to snowball. So. Well, I think it's one of these cases of they, they don't quite understand what they're asking for and why they need it. But if they can see an example of another chain that they compete with or are familiar with, they can see, okay, this is what they did. So yeah, we want that too. Exactly. It is kind of a, you know, keeping up with the Joneses aspect and that's where we're able to, you know, show them here's the package that we can do, obviously, you know, skewed for their particular organization, but um, you know, helping them along the way, getting them familiar with, you know, understanding what they're asking for, and then making sure that the value is perceived from the dollar they're spending. Did the pandemic and the lockdowns uh, compel QSR in particular to start looking more at this because, you know, maybe they had to do drive through, which they didn't do in the past, and they had to do self service kiosks because staffing became an issue? It did and it didn't. Uh, we actually had a couple um, partners that reverted away from digital because they were now just doing takeout. That was more on the, the pizza side where they weren't having dine in and they just realized that, you know, it's not going to change. They're doing a lot more just from the mobile pickup, uh, delivery, that kind of aspect. Uh, but then on the other flip side of uh, more traditional quick service, absolutely, it really forced them into thinking, uh, you know, how can we work better in the current market? And then that's just propelling it now forward three years later. 
For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. I still see pretty substantial QSR chains out there who have issues still with what's on the display and that they're they're not integrated uh, fully or properly with their restaurant management system so you know they're doing things like putting stickers over top of items <laughs> that aren't available or uh wrestling with you know do I stroke something out on the screen or do I make it disappear like uh, th- those things pretty elemental it is and you know it, it is a struggle it seems to be in a larger the organization is the you know less process there is in order to ensure that screens are operated in a, the correct fashion you know we see it all the time and whether it's a drive through i'm personally going through or one we're trying to win the business up you know you can set things in motion and one of them starts with integration and you know giving some autonomy for people to fix the screen so that way you know corporate doesn't necessarily have to be the big brother that's managing everything there's those roadblocks to put in place to stop those things from happening. Obviously, physical tape, that's a little bit harder unless we maybe shock somebody when they touch it, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> there, there are ways to put those uh, stops in place. When, when you're dealing with the small regional to mid-sized chains, is it more challenging technically because maybe they're not standardized on restaurant management systems, point-of-sale systems, that sort of thing? It is a little challenging. Um, you know, one thing that we try to do is bring in partners if that is the case, you know, talking with point of sale companies and they don't necessarily go that route, but at least we're able to bring in some people to help in that scenario. Um, we do like to at least have them unified on point of sale. So we're not, you know, doing all kinds of integrations, but, um, you know, it is a struggle for sure. It's something that, you know, even a chain of, you know, a hundred stores we're currently working with, they've got two or three point of sales because some people are still on legacy contracts and things like that. And we just have to, you know, work with those, you know, as they pop up. And do you have to spend a lot of time doing education to the uh, franchise owners that th- this is why you want to do this because they really don't want to drop $15,000 on a drive through display? 100%. And pretty much every partner that's or customer that we align with, we're at their annual conventions, you know, talking, teaching, you know, explaining the value because that is, you know, we, we just had one that was doing a dual lane drive through, obviously double the cost. They went with static rather than digital and they just didn't see that, you know, extra value on spending, you know, the 50 grand to do all of that. So it's, it's still a struggle in, in, you know, the current partners that we have today. I'm curious on the workplace side, uh, where you're seeing traction, like how how is it being used? That's a great question. Uh, we, we do a lot in manufacturing right on the plant floor, nice. um, you know, keeping those folks up to speed on what's going on. 
Um, and then we're also doing a lot of just traditional workplace communication, you know, between multi-sites and multi-silos within the organization, just the generalized workplace communication. But manufacturing has seemed to have a pretty big uptick, you know, everything from screens down at the machine level to doing some video walls on the plant floor that everyone can see with some, you know, workplace KPIs and things like that to get some real-time information to the floor uh, folks. Yeah, that's always struck me as uh, more useful in, in many respects than white-collar environments uh, like in the offices because there there are typically ways to communicate to people all the way down to the level of, you know, a manager walking out and talking to somebody. Sure. But it, but when you're in a deskless environment and you, you, you've got a whole bunch of workers who maybe don't even have English as a first language, uh, how, do you, how do you reach these people? How do you tell people what's going on? How do you motivate them? Uh, all, all those things. So it, it, it's encouraging to see that now really starting to get some traction. Yeah, absolutely. And we're also seeing you know a couple of the, the real estate players that are in the commercial side kind of taking a look at, you know, putting in digital signage as part of the lease packages to make it enticing for, you know, someone coming into renting the warehouse or their manufacturing space. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just part of their infrastructure. Exactly. So it's, hey, this is why you should choose me over the competitor's space. You know, we have this, you know, great infrastructure. And then when, you know, that tenant leaves, they can wipe it all clean and, you know, have it ready for the next person. Do you have to kind of future proof those sorts of things? because? If, if there are tenants and they, they sign a five-year lease, somebody else comes in, uh, are the screens still in the right place or maybe a five-year window is enough and you don't worry about that? Um, I, I don't know if we can have the right data for that. We've only been doing it for about two and a half years uh, in that space. We are you know keeping it at a five-year warranty window for those particular devices going in once a year, you know, doing some maintenance, doing some checks on those particular locations. But uh, you know, time will tell as uh, the next two and a half year cycle comes up on what we have our hands on. I, I'm curious about very elemental digital signage in uh, office environments. You, you, I, I've got another press release today from a, a CMS company that's integrated with a uh, video streaming platform. This one's with Zoom, but I've seen two or three, at least three companies that have integrated with uh, Microsoft Teams. The idea being that uh, you can use the video conferencing collaboration displays in meeting rooms as almost like digital signage screensavers. Uh, they can they can have a it'll roll over to that. I'm thinking of the there's a word for it, uh, and, and, and it's escaping me because I'm old. But uh, <laughs> it, it strikes me as that that's interesting, but but awfully elemental. And how, what does that really accomplish? Or do you fight with that yeah, at all? We don't necessarily fight with that. We do have some uh, CMS partners that can do that with you know the Mersive Solstice Pods with the the Barco Click Shares and, and turn it into some digital signage when that is not in use for the huddle rooms or the conference rooms. Uh, but it's not been a huge adoption, at least from you know our book of clients. Um, so I, I guess that need kind of has to justify the spend for each organization. Yeah, it, it just hits me as, and and somewhat I, I suspect is probably pretty good, per, particularly those that uh, 
started with uh, you know a, a full-throated digital signage CMS, but uh, some of the ones, particularly the the ones that the the uh, companies like maybe Merce, if I haven't seen their stuff, but uh, I, I I assume it's pretty basic, and I, it, I wonder if it's if if the end user customers look at it and go, well, you know, that's all we need, and yeah, in in those situations, uh, even like when we're doing the ones with Barco Click Share and putting signage live on those devices when it's not in use for its uh, you know screen sharing capability, you know, they have the full fledged option to treat it as a, a traditional screen, but you know, sometimes these are in huddle rooms with a door that may not be open. So the content should be very elemental. It should be basic, uh, because what is the intended audience? You know, I wouldn't put, hey, there's a fire alarm going on because someone may not be in there. Mm -hmm. Um so it's it's kind of a in our opinion, an odd, you know, industry because those rooms when not in use, are they ever seen? It's really depending on the client. We have a client, uh, Washington Prime Group here in Columbus, Ohio, that has glass conference rooms and huddle rooms. And it makes sense for them because everyone can see as you walk through and it's above the privacy shield. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was curious about an announcement by Immersive. They're, they're going into a whole bunch of WeWork locations, co-working locations. And I, I thought what they were doing was interesting because it's probably quite elemental, but their whole business rationale is they've got sensors that recognize that somebody's come in the room. And when that happens, the screen goes on and says, hey, you need to book this or have you booked this? If not, it needs to be booked. Get the hell out. <laughs> you know, don't say that part, ah. but uh, it, it's, it's all about uh, addressing an operating concern just in the same way that meeting room displays uh, when those started coming out about six, seven years ago uh, ad addressed a, a pain point as well. Sure. Absolutely. I think if tying it into a sensor that could definitely uh, alleviate that concern. It also gives you analytics on how much it actually is being used. Let's talk a little bit about AI. Uh, you know, it, it's on uh, everybody's minds these days. Have you, uh, looked at that as something that can help support your customers and support your business, or is it something you're, you're just kind of watching? Um, we're playing with it and watching it. It hasn't made it to assisting our, our customers at this point. Uh, there's some things coming down uh, the pipe with uh, Signage Live and you know some of their offerings where we can do some AI-generated things, but probably the first thing that's going to help our customers is an AI-driven chatbot for our support team. Um, to kind of take the load off of them and then, you know, see if we can drill down some uh, response times and uh, resolve times. Oh, okay. So somebody comes in and if they can get a question answered just by going through the chatbot prompts and, and, and deliver a solution or at least a, information to them without having to wait for five, six, ten minutes for one of your support people, that helps? So that, that's probably the first thing that we're playing with. And of course, just like everyone, we're, you know, playing with it from a, you know, marketing and writing perspective, but, um, you know, just still watching it on how we can best utilize it from, you know, putting it into production for customer sake. Yeah. I, I mean, I, my, my son is heavily into AI to a point where he's doing consulting for, for some people on, on what tools to use and everything else. And, 
I've got them doing some work for me and I've, I've looked at things and uh, the image generation is interesting, but it's still very weird and surreal in certain respects. And on the writing side, it's great for people who can't write to save their lives. But for people like me who, you know, I've been in journalism for 40 years, it's like this stuff is so elemental and I'm, yeah, it can crank something out in 30 seconds, but it's not very good. Right. Exactly. It's, you know, it's definitely still a, a jumping off point, but it's got to have someone of, you know, skill set to, to reread that and, uh, you know, fix those mistakes or add in, you know, professional tone or, you know, the writing tone of the organization. Uh, we, we've talked about headless and uh, AI, obviously. Are, are, are there hardware sides of technology that you're watching and uh, thinking are, are going to be a big deal going forward? Um, you know, we're, we're pretty, um, I'd say, set in our lane from a hardware perspective. You know, of course, you know, we, we watch, you know, direct view in the market that's evolving there. But, you know, we're really just watching the, the products of our current partners, you know, the, the big three screen manufacturers and seeing uh, the products that they're rolling out or coming off the line with that we can, you know, push into the marketplace. But, you know, shiny balls, things like that, uh, not really. I, I try to keep my blinders on so no one, uh, you know, gets confused or takes us too far down a rabbit hole. Uh, mm -hmm. So we try to just keep main hardware partners, main software partners and, you know, run the race. Yeah, to me, the, the, the thing that's going to be interesting is when micro LED gets to a level and maybe complementary technologies or very similar technologies that you, you start to see non-traditional display services, whether that's architectural glass or even countertops, that you, you can start to see content arrive on and be crisp and, and visible and everything else. Yeah, I definitely think that can, you know, go a long way with micro LED and the cost uh, being affordable at scale for sure. We are getting, you know, some more architectural requests, um, flying things on the ceilings and, and whatnot. Um, so I, I, we are watching in that regard just to kind of see how we can help those architect partners that we talked about early on in our chat, uh, you know, fulfill some of their needs that they're designing. When you bump into new customers or potential customers and they ask, ask you, all right, what's, what's a good reference account? What's something I could go check out? What do you tell them that, 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 that you've done? Yeah. So, you know, we kind of take a look at obviously who they are and if they're talking about, um, you know, quick service, we're, you know, pointing them in the line of, you know, Big B coffee or an up and coming chain crimson cup coffee. You know, if we're talking about, you know, retail and malls, it's, you know, let's take a look at malls for Washington Prime Group and their 120 malls across the country. Um, you know, when it comes to direct view LED, you know, we've got a couple of convention centers in Columbus and Texas, uh, and then some adjoining hotels that have some direct view installations. Um, if they're looking at cannabis, we can tell them to jump into a number of hundred, uh, you know, different areas across the country to take a look at. So we're, we're not short on, uh, you know, pointing people in the right direction. That's for sure. Hmm, okay. Uh, if people want to know more about your company, where do they find you online? Yeah, they can find us online at kaufmanmedia.com uh, or LinkedIn uh, with our our Kaufman Media company page. And wh where does the Kaufman come from? So we weren't real creative 13 <laughs> years ago. So 
there was a founding family in Dublin, Ohio, the Kaufman family, and we just decided to uh, make it kind of a, a regional name play. Okay. Fair enough. Right? Is the Kaufman family still involved? No, they were never involved. Uh, oh. We just decided to <laughs> name it after them, and they probably don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. It yeah, everyone says, is, is there a Mr. Kaufman that started it? No, there's not. Sorry. It's a, it's a boring story. <laughs> well, no, but you can blame it on him. <laughs> yeah, Kaufman did that, but he's gone. <laughs> All right, Jason, thank you. All right, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 69 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at screenfeed.com. 16.9, the blog and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.